Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hey everybody, good morning. Good morning. There you go. My name is Eric. Good to be the pastor here. Good to see you all. We are continuing our series, The Upside Down Kingdom. We've been in this series for just about three months now. Uh, we started in uh, October on our uh, birthday, and now we're wrapping up as we talk about Jesus, God with us, the cradle. We kind of walk through the story of the gospel backwards from church to cross to cradle. Why don't you stand with me this morning for the reading of God's word. Matthew 1, verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you saw us in our mess and in the condition of the world and you knew that what we needed was a savior, and so you came into this world. And at Christmas, we celebrate your arrival. You are God with us. So I pray right now that we would just sense that you are here with us, that we would just be aware and awake to what you are already doing in our hearts, minds, spirits, and souls. In your name we pray, amen. You can take a seat. Two years ago, I was driving home from Rogers, coming back to Maple Grove on 94, and it had snowed the night before. And you know what happens a lot of times? Is there's a little bit of snow, kind of that first snowfall. Things get really slick, really icy. And I was getting off on the exit onto Weaver Lake Road right there. And what happened was I started to slip and slide a little bit. And I'm a Minnesota driver. I kind of grew up here, and this is, this is what I know. So I'm like, I got this under control. Well, this one time I didn't have it under control, and I started slipping and sliding and kind of did like a 360 on the exit ramp right there. And before I knew it, I was into the pond right there, that little drainage pond on the side of the road. Um, I prayed. I felt like my life flashed from my eyes. I was like, oh, no, you know, boom, into the water. But I was okay. You know, but that was scary. And once I realized I was okay, what actually took the biggest hit was my pride. Anyone else been there before? It's like, I'm a Minnesota driver. I know how to drive in the snow. But somehow I didn't in that moment. And I ended up someplace where I didn't want to be. How many of you have gone through life this year or some other time and ended up in a place where you didn't want to be? I think we can all relate to going along life like it's normal, and then all of a sudden you hit an icy patch and you are spinning out of control, and somehow you're like, what is going on? I don't have control anymore. <laughs> I thought I was in control, 
but I'm not. And now I'm ending up in a place I did not want to be. Well, that happens to all of us. And the good news is that you and I aren't alone in this feeling of having life sometimes out of control, of being in a place where we didn't want to be. Really, the, the story of God in the Bible is really a story of people who found themselves again and again in places they didn't want to be. We have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, those forefathers of our faith, and both Abraham and Isaac would end up down in Egypt when they shouldn't have. And then Jacob's son, Joseph, gets sold into slavery down in Egypt, and eventually all the nation of Israel is down there, and then they're enslaved, and and they don't want to be there. They didn't plan on being there. And God leads them out to a deliverer. And they have, you know, the, into the promised land. And, and God says, I will be your God. You will be my people if you continue to walk with me. But what happened is they failed again and again. And so God would send different nations and armies to oppress them. And then they would repent and turn back. And he'd deliver them again and again and again. But through this, the prophet Isaiah, about 900 years before the birth of Jesus, he said, a young woman, a virgin girl, will conceive and give birth to a Savior. And he will be Emmanuel, God with us. Not just God up there, or God out there, but God with us. And so the story of God's people was that they kept waiting for this to happen, and then 400 years of silence before finally John the Baptist showed up preparing the way. And so the people of God have been waiting and waiting and waiting for this Savior. And this is where Jesus enters the story, where God's people have found out that they're in the promised land, but the promised land can become a prison when you're still oppressed, when life still isn't going the way you thought it would go. Today we're going to look at something called the incarnation. It's a big word. feels like you're getting your money's worth. Uh, the incarnation is that act of grace whereby Christ took our human nature into union with his divine person. Carne, meaning flesh. That's like if you have two choices this winter. Uh, you know, if you have the chili and the chili con carne, you want the one with the meat. Amen. And we still love you vegetarians. Yeah, I know you're watching online. We still love you. But come on. Meat declares the glory of God, right? Amen. So the incarnation, that is where God put on flesh. He put on meat to show the goodness of God. Now, it's important to note, incarnation doesn't mean that a man became God. See, there's a lot of religions, Mormonism and others, that teach that, you know, a man can be enlightened and become a God. However, Christianity is the only religion that believes that God became a man. John Calvin says that the incarnation means God accommodates us. It's like a good mom or dad who gets down on their hands and knees to play with their kids to wrestle them, but holds back their strength, holds back their full power to accommodate their kids. That's what God did in the person of Jesus. The infinite power and presence united with our humanity. And Jesus didn't become any less God, but he added to his divinity his humanity so that he could not just empathize or sympathize or pity us, but he could truly have compassion to understand what we are going through in our mess when we don't end up where we want to be, when life spins out of control. 
And what happens, we talked about this last week, is an angel shows up and gives Joseph this big task. God tells him to marry a single mom and raise the son of God. If you're here today and you're adopted, you're in good company. If you've done foster care or if you've adopted, you're in good company. Jesus was adopted. If you're a single mom, you're in good company with Mary. See, God looked at us and said, what they don't need is just a life coach or just another prophet or just another teacher. What they need is a savior. And savior means Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew 1, 13. Matthew here is quoting the prophet Isaiah All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet Isaiah. Look, the virgin, the young woman, will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, as he was dying, his last words were, the best of all is God with us, Emmanuel. I want you that word Emmanuel to impact your heart. A number of years ago, as we were in this season of, of waiting, we end up in a place we didn't want to be. We're in Wisconsin, the land of Packer fans, and we're trying to figure out what was next. And there's actually a church on the east side of town in Maplewood that uh, I was applying to be their lead pastor. And we really thought it was going to happen. We were one of the final candidates to end up hiring someone else who left three years later. He didn't last, so they made the wrong choice. But anyways, I'm not bitter. Um, but I remember as we sat with, with their, with their uh, search committee, uh, this was eight, eight years ago, and they're like, you know, what is your favorite attribute of God? Which is kind of weird, because it's kind of like, what's your favorite kid? Like, which is the part of God you love the most? But in that moment, I was like, you know what? It's his imminence, which means that he is, uh, the transcendence of God means that he is above and beyond anything we can possibly imagine or comprehend. The imminence of God means that he is closer to us than the air we breathe and the, the clothes on our skin, that God is with us. He is near to us. I think that is my favorite aspect of God. He's not just distant. He's not just up on a throne cheering us on, but he is so close with us. And that is what Emmanuel means, that God is with us. That's what we're going to look at this morning. And, the, and what that means is we're going to, well, those three words, Emmanuel, is Jesus is God. That's the first thing we understand is that Jesus is God. Nothing about Christianity makes sense unless we really know that Jesus is God. See, Jesus forgives people's sins. Only a crazy person does that, or someone who truly is God. See, if Aaron, our bass player up here, walked over and punched Matt in the nose, because Matt played a wrong chord, and I was like, it's okay, Aaron, I forgive you. It'd be like, what? You're, Eric, you can't forgive his sins. Like, only Matt can forgive Aaron. But that's what Jesus did. You know, in in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus says to the paralytic man, hey, your sins are forgiven. Only a crazy person thinks they can forgive sins, or or it means they really are God. Throughout the Bible, many, many times, angels show up to talk to people, and they're terrified, and they're afraid, because angels are fearsome beings, and almost always they they hit the deck, and they're like, oh, and they want to worship those angels. And what does the angels always say? No, get, get up. Get up, I'm just a creature like you. I'm not worthy of your worship. But when Thomas, after Jesus rises from the dead, hits the ground and he worships Jesus, what does Jesus say? Does he say, no, 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 don't worship me? He says he receives that worship. Now, only a crazy person receives worship. Only a crazy person forgives sins. Someone who is absolutely evil 
they know they're just a man and they're like, no, come on, worship me. That means they can't be just a good teacher. Or, or they really are God. And so what's kind of the big deal about this? Well, in this culture, in this context, the very last people to ever believe that God could come in the flesh were first century Jews. See, many Eastern religions believed in avatars, that they were like the embodiment of a god, and pantheists believed that God is in everything, kind of like the force. Then there's the Greeks and the Romans who are polytheists who believe in many different gods, and the gods could appear as humans and actually impregnate women. That's how we got the myth of Hercules. And, and, and this is, but Jews, they had a very different viewpoint. They, they believed in monotheism. This is called the Shema in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7. They would repeat this every single day of their lives, and they would pray, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He is one God above all else. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your not mind. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You'll teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. See, the Jewish people believed God is one. We don't believe in many gods. God is one. And he is beyond us. He is so holy that the Jewish people actually believed you couldn't even speak the name of God. That's Yahweh, which is on my wrist. That was the name for God, Yahweh. But Jewish people actually didn't even pronounce it. So we're not entirely sure of how to pronounce the name of God because they stopped doing it about 2,000 years ago. And that's when they said they'd use the word Jehovah or Lord in place of Yahweh. That the name was so sacred that when they read it, they wouldn't even say the word Yahweh or God. And so then for someone to show up saying that he is Yahweh clothed in flesh and to announce that, hey, this God that you believe is so above and beyond us that you won't even speak his name. I'm going to teach you a new way to pray. You can actually call him Father. Mind-blowing. They kill him for this. Because they're like, no, a man can't be God. The very last people who would believe that a man showing up could actually be God were the first century Jews. But what do we see? After Jesus dies and rises again, his very brothers who didn't believe it started to worship him. And his brother James became the leader of the Jewish church. If you were going to start a new movement of people proclaiming that you were God, you would not start with your own siblings, right? Because <laughs> that's the last people you're going to convince that you're actually God. But that's what happened. They actually believed that he was God. And so what would make them believe this? That, that they were the last people that you would ever expect to believe that a man could be God is they must have seen a moral glory that went along with the claims, a transcendent greatness that matched his words. Toughness and tenderness, truth and love, law and grace. What a strange and wonderful and perfect person. And all this they see and realize they were looking at the very nature of God. And the only thing that can make sense is he can't just be a great man because he received worship. He forgave people's sins. He can't have been just crazy, but he must be God with us. Sherlock Holmes says it this way, once you Eliminate the impossible. Whatever remains, no matter how improbable, must be the truth. That Jesus really is God with us. And the people who knew him best were willing to die for this truth. Today, if you wrestle with this truth, that Jesus really is God, he's not just a good moral teacher. He didn't give us that option to just say, hey, he's a good example. He claimed to be God. 
He forgave sins. He accepted worship. And today, if you have not wrestled that claim, I implore you to wrestle with that reality that Jesus is God. Number two, he is God with us. He is God with us. The great God, infinite in power and majesty, comes down into a tiny little itty-bitty living space. He put himself in a form of witness. He is God with us. See, prior to Christmas in the Old Testament, the presence of God was actually pretty terrifying. Before, whenever God came close, it was pretty scary. In the book of Job, God was this swirling whirlwind. Abraham, when he gives his covenant to God, God shows up as a smoking, flaming, floating furnace. In, with Moses, a pillar of fire. Every time God showed up, it was terrifying. But it's one thing to experience God. Wow, the power, the, the majesty, the, the might of God. It's a whole other thing to be with him. Do you think what happens sometimes in our churches even today is people will experience God in a worship service. They will be in nature and experience like the creator, like, wow, this is amazing. They will hear an inspiring sermon and through that they'll experience something of God, but there is a difference between just experiencing God, appreciating God, and being with him. Can you imagine Moses who asked to see the face of God and God said, no, you cannot handle this. So go into this rock. I will cl- cover it through my hand. I will pass by. You will see me from the back. And just that alone was enough to light his face on fire with such brightness that he had to veil his face to come down to the rest of the Israelites. If Moses heard the story of Christmas, here's how Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all with unveiled face, unlike Moses, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Moses would say, don't you understand? You have what I begged for. I begged to see the face of God, and God said, no, you cannot understand it, but through Jesus, we can see the face of God. Moses would say, be excited for this. This is so amazing. Where's your amazement? Where's your childlike awe and wonder? See, Jesus took away the sin, the terror, the fear, the barrier of guilt between us and God. And there's a big difference between experiencing God, just the majesty, the terror, the sense in a worship service, the the beauty of creation, and knowing God. Having a personal relationship with him. Jesus came and said, hey, you don't need to be afraid to just speak the name of God. You can call him Abba, Daddy, Father, you can have this intimate relationship with him. You don't have to just experience him from a distance and and be pushed back. You can be with him. You can know him. If you know me, I love music. I love events and things like that. And so Brian Rash, for Pastor Appreciation, took me to a rock concert last night, which is so fun. We are out quite late. Uh, my favorite thing, I think it was about 10, 11 o'clock at night. Brian's dad calls him. He's like, hey, what are you doing? I'm hanging out at the casino with my pastor, which was a lot of fun. Uh, we were at uh, Treasure Island Casino uh, to see some 90s bands. And, and, and man, watching them rock out on stage, that is so much fun. And it's fun to experience that. But it's, it's one thing to experience a band or to see an athlete on the field and experience them play, it's a whole other thing to actually get to know them. 
I've shared my buddy Dan is in a band called The Afters, and uh, they've toured, their songs have been on NBA playoffs and NFL and all this stuff. And it's one thing to watch them in concerts. Holy thing, Dan's like, hey, want to grab dinner with us? And you're hanging out and you're having dinner with the band. And you get to know them. With God, it's one thing to just experience the awe, the majesty, the, pre- the, the beauty of God in creation and, and in a worship service, in a sermon. It's a whole other thing to actually know him. And Jesus says, hey, because I came to earth as Emmanuel, I am with you. You can know God through me. Martin Luther, the great reformer, was religious for a very long time. He actually taught the book of Romans in seminary. He confessed his sins twice a day. And this is all before he ever became a Christian, before he moved to actually knowing God. It's like a person who goes to the concert. He's experienced him, but he'd never met him. And one day, Martin Luther said, I was studying Romans 117. I was trying to earn my righteousness. Suddenly, I realized that Jesus Christ died for me, and through him, I can know God. And in that moment, He moved to understanding that Jesus is God with us. He moved from just the understanding of God to God with. That leads us to our third one. Jesus is God with us. The word us, though, is a limited term. Emmanuel doesn't mean God with all. And that can be controversial to stay in today's day and age, but who is the us? Is it some exclusive group who are special because we've earned it, because we have the secret knowledge? Who's the us? Let's look at the story of Christmas. The us is those who have been invited and then respond to that invitation. The us is a group of social outcasts, like the shepherds who were on the outskirts of town and looked down on because they're kind of smelly blue-collar workers, and they are the ones that are invited The us is single moms like Mary. The us are hardworking carpenters like Joseph. The us are astrologers from another nation. The three wise men who come and respond to that invitation. The us is anyone. Anyone who responds to the invitation to come to Jesus. The humble, the outcasts the shepherds, the astrologers, people on the outskirts of society, the poor in spirit, the spiritually bankrupt, the adopted kids and single moms, the hardworking carpenters who just want to do the right thing. The us is always people who have been invited and then who respond to the invitation. See, all of us, though, have been invited through Jesus to experience God with us. But we have to respond to that invitation. Jesus is a gentleman. He is not like Santa going to come down your chimney and force himself on you. He's going to wait for you to respond. And so what does this mean for you and me? Three implications, I think. Number one, if Jesus is God with us, then some of us have to take the limitations off of God that we've placed on him. If Jesus is truly God, are our bad habits, our past are failures too much for him to handle? Do you think there's anything in your life that's too big for him if Jesus truly is God? Number two, Christmas is about getting near Jesus. 
getting with him. Look what Jesus did to be with us. He clawed his way from heaven to earth, laying aside all his privileges, all his power, all his might to come down to live as one of us as a human to be born as a refugee, to go live for two years in Egypt, to come back to have people whisper about him his whole life, to experience hunger and pain and sadness, to weep with those friends of his who wept, to experience betrayal, to experience the worst pain imaginable up on the cross, both physically and then as spiritual separation between him and the Father as he took all our sins upon us. And why did Jesus do that? So that he could be with us. If Jesus was willing to do all that for us, what are we willing to do to be with him? Hear me, I do not want this to be a guilt trip of do more, try harder. Grace means we are invited and accepted and loved when we respond. But there's so much more. Some of you I know are just keeping Jesus at arm's length. But the message of Christmas is Jesus says, I came to be with you. Look what I did to be with you. And Jesus, with complete gentleness and grace and no condemnation, says, to me, to you, can you wake up a little earlier just to spend some time with me? Can you turn off Netflix at night just to spend some time with me? As you're going about your day, can you just... Just check in with me. Just, just talk to me. Jesus so desperately wants to be with us. And I think so often, myself included, man, we keep him at arm's length. We get busy. Or I think we just also just feel maybe some shame and condemnation. Like, oh, I haven't opened my Bible in a couple days or a couple weeks or a couple months. I haven't really spent some time in prayer. I really haven't done anything to be with Jesus, so I'm just going to keep kind of doing my thing, and you know what? I'm saved, so we're fine, but Jesus says, it's okay. Hey, 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 hey. No condemnation. No shame. But I want to be with you. So this week, as, as we head towards Christmas, what can you do to be with Jesus? Just to think about all the things he did to be with us. And finally, Jesus is God with us. We are his body. We've been talking about this for the last year or so. He's God with us, the Biden voters and the Trump voters, the pro-vaccinations and the non-vaccinations. Amen, right? Come on, church. Those who love football and those who love baseball. We are united not because of our interests or our political beliefs or because we live in this geographical area or because we were born in the same place. No, what unites us is our faith in Jesus, our baptism into his family, the fact that we are his church. Amen? That, number one, needs to be our focus. What unites us, not what divides us. Because, man, the division these last couple of years has just been so disheartening. But God is with us us. So what is our response? How can we invite those who are outside of the us to come be a part of us? The church is the only organization that in the world that exists for those who are not yet members of that organization. Amen? We exist because we don't do good to get God. We get God with 
us. And so now we say, how can we do good and bless those around us? How can we say, hey, the message of Christmas is that Jesus came to be with us. He brought God near to us. And now you can have forgiveness of sins and you can live free of condemnation and shame and guilt. And Jesus says, hey, I love you for who you are, not what you do. I just want to be with you. And now we say, hey, come, come be a part of our family of God. Come find forgiveness. Come be a part of what God is doing with the us. Our world is so divided, but this is one place where we come together with people who are different than us because we are united in Jesus. Amen? So what can we do to invite others into the us? Christmas service, that's one place. You can invite someone, hey, come to this Christmas Eve Eve service. Starting in January, we're kicking off a new series called Redeeming Love on the Book of Ruth. We're going to talk more about God's, his immense kindness and love for us, that he redeems us, he comes for us. Invite someone to come to this series. Just invite someone into friendship with you. Start having coffee with someone who maybe is far from God, someone who has religious baggage. Get to know them so they can just find a follower of Jesus who's not crazy. And say, hey, hey, come be a part of the us. We talk a lot, kind of our, our, our vision as a church, what we do is, is these, these four Bs, the, the concentric circles of blessing. We want to bless our community around us, even those who are not yet followers of Jesus. So one of the ways we did that, this, this week, we dropped off 220 gift bags to the teachers here at Osseo Senior High. And many of you helped out stamping bags with our mosaic logo on it, filling out gift cards uh, on our Sunday before Thanksgiving, writing personalized thank you cards. We didn't just do general thank you cards to the teachers, but it was like, hey, thank you for being a special needs teacher here at Osseo High School. Thank you for being an English teacher. Thank you for serving kids good food in the food services department. And I got, I lost track, something like 33, 35 emails this week of teachers expressing their gratitude. Thank you for being a force for good. One special needs teacher. She's like, I've been doing this 15 years. 15 years. I can count on one hand how many times I've been told thanks. Teaching's hard, amen? A lot of people have had it hard. Teachers, I think, the most. Okay, a lot of people have hard. I don't know. But anyways, we wanted to bless them, Right? So that people, the next circle in, people can belong. Again, it doesn't matter who you voted for. <laughs> it doesn't matter what your sports teams are. It doesn't matter if you're the only Seahawks fan in your church. It's okay. <laughs> we can all belong because of what Jesus did. And then, we want you to have a belief in Jesus. Believe that he is God. That he came to be with us. He traversed the distance from heaven to earth. And he invites everyone to be part of the us. And so we truly believe the best way to live is to bow the knee to Jesus and say, hey, you're the leader of my life. I'm putting my trust in you to have that belief. And then we don't stop there. Then we become bringers of blessing, bringers of belonging, bringers of belief. And that can happen in so many different ways. Just to your neighbor shoveling the driveway, giving generously of your needs, baking someone a meal, just put an arm around someone you know who's a teacher, a pharmacist, a homeschooler, someone you know, hey, this has been a rough year. I see you. You matter. That's how we bring 
blessing and belonging and belief. Amen? Jesus is God with us. Let's stand, and I'm going to invite the band to come on up, and I'm going to close this in prayer. Jesus, I thank you that you are God. You came revealing to us the very face of God, something Moses and the Old Testament prophets begged for, but they didn't get to see. And now, God, we get to see what you are like through the person of Jesus. That you are God with us, that you came to be near and close to us. And that you invite everyone to be part of the us. Not just some special people who are born in the right place at the right time, but all of us are invited to be in your family. And so we thank you for that, God. God, I just pray this week that we would trust that you are God, and that means that you are bigger than anything we're facing. That we would trust you. God, that we would do whatever it takes to be with you this week. Not out of shame or guilt, but simply because... You want to be with us, and, and it's so good for us. It's, you are light and breath and water to our, our thirsty souls. So God, I pray in the hustle and the bustle and the business, we just be with you this week. And God, that the us, that we would continue to be a blessing to bring belonging and belief and just to help people know that they are seen, they are loved, they are cared for. In your name we pray, amen. Just a quick couple of housekeeping things before we go out of here with our last song. Um, we made these uh, Christmas ornaments, mosaic ones, and so kind of we have one for every family. So if you've not grabbed your Christmas ornament yet, go ahead and grab these. Uh, hospitality team, at the end of service, um, I'll take these home. And then um, if you're watching online and you need a Christmas ornament, let me know and I'll drop those off this week for you. Because I know we have some of our online viewers and I want to make sure I get these um, to our online um, church uh, family uh, this week. We also have some more um, door hangers. Um, uh, it was literally the same price to order 500 door hangers as 1,000 door hangers. So we have 1,000 door hangers. So I did about 500 this um, this week, um, which is a lot of miles of walking. I did seven. <laughs> what? I did seven. You did seven. Uh-huh. Thank you. You're welcome. Yes. So you don't have to do 500, but you could do seven. Seven. So we have about 493 more out in the lobby. <laughs> Um, so if you'd be willing to just maybe hit up your neighborhood, um, it's really easy. You just go up one side of your street, and then you come around back the other way. And that's how you're efficiently hit both sides. Don't go back and forth like this. Otherwise, you'll walk one direction, and you'll have to come back and not do anything. So just a little tip that way. Um, and so anyways, um, but just grab a stack, a little bit of them, if you want to hit up your neighborhood. Um, I, I did uh, the ones really close to Osseo High School, and then the new Pulte development above 81. Um, but, and then some are right by our house. But a lot of the neighborhoods that you guys live in uh, have not been hit. So grab some door hangers. Super easy way to invite your neighbors to our Christmas Eve Eve service. Um, then we have some merchandise back there. Um, we've never done this before, so we're doing something a little different. Um, we ordered some hoodies, as you can see, and some hats. And those are all $25 each. Um, and uh, if you'd really, really like one and, and, and you can't afford that, let us know. Our gift to you. We want to be generous. Um, but for those who can't afford it, um, it just covers the cost. We're not making any money off them. Um, but we just thought it'd be fun to have some, some extra merchandise just to represent uh, the church and, and uh, yeah. So uh, again, 
Thanks for being here. We appreciate it. Everyone who joined us online, come back this Thursday uh, for our Christmas Eve Eve service. Um, we'll send out an invite this week uh, asking people to bring cookies um, so we can just have cookies and cider to share. It's going to be a fun celebration, 7 p.m. Um, have a great week. May you know that Jesus loves you so much that Jesus, who is God, he came to be with us and invites all of us into relationship with him. May you just feel that deep in your bones this week. Emmanuel, God with us. Let's go out of here singing this last song. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic Tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.